0: Welcome to Winging It at Motown Radio. we got a holiday edition for you today. On the horn with us today we have uh, your host, Kyle, because Jeff is out in land fighting the good fight. And here tonight uh, we have JJ, Graham, and Michelle. How are we doing tonight?
1: Uh, greatest night ever.
0: That is a lie. <laughs> it's a total lie. Yeah. God, that's
1: the worst I'm lie you've s- ever said. I'm so mad I could take a nap.
0: Uh, a little bit of context is that uh, Michelle earlier before we started the podcast said we were trying to find Graham and uh, Michelle had said maybe he's just taking a nap because he's so mad right was that was was that what was said yeah a rage nap a rage nap he was so mad that he's just like I I, I have to go lay down and take a nap for 10 minutes
2: that makes sense I mean you get so angry that you just lose (laughs) all consciousness
0: yeah if you have those problems and you need to take a nap, then you have much bigger problems than sports and podcasts
2: and everything. You should probably take the night off.
0: <laughs> so anyways, uh, Graham and uh,
2: Michelle, how are you guys doing? Uh, very rested after my nap. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm I'm doing a lot better now than I was uh, right at the end of the game. So oh, thanks, guys.
0: Oh, yeah. Friends make everything better. (laughs) You've you've made
3: me cry already.
0: Yeah. So we're going to jump into it right now because obviously we're recording right after the game. So we just watched the Red Wings lose to New Jersey. It was bad. Um, And there's really no way to put anything like i i I don't know for me there's really no way for me to look at this game as a true positive you know the red wings came out they let out three goals in the first period they pulled howard um which was probably warranted because um he looked bad he didn't look good at all and you know we can dissect on that a little bit uh, into it but let's go ahead and give our um you know our initial thoughts after the game personally for me um they scored two power play goals which is great but you know, there's. It just shows, like, you know, Erickson goes down. You 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 kind of throw the defense into a line blender, and in my opinion, you're just kind of put. You're just kind of, you know, rearranging chairs on the Titanic at that point. Um, not saying that Erickson is a player that you know holds everything together, but um, it was. It's been not very good. Jakob Kindle looked awful tonight, and uh, that's a problem because it's just. How long is that going to go on? Uh, You know, it's his second game back from sitting for a while. And uh, it was pretty bad. Um, I don't think Cronwell looked good at all. Uh, You know, I think the only player that really stood out was Green, and that's because he scored a goal. (laughs) Um, This is really not that good. Um, There were no players tonight who I could look on the Red Wings and say, you know what, that player had a a standout game and they looked really good. It was just all around a chicken shit hockey game. So uh, that's where I stand with it, and that's me putting it lightly because I was a lot angrier during the game. Um, So, uh, JJ, why don't you go ahead and give me your thoughts?
1: Uh, If it weren't for like one really bad power play shift for Pavel Datsuk, I disagree with you on the whole concept of nobody played well. I thought outside of that one shift, uh, Datsuk had a pretty good performance, kind of wasted by his teammates. Earlier in my hockey fandom life, that would have been the kind of game that would have um, made me, like, go put on rollerblades and just go skate around angrily for an hour afterwards because it was wow. such such a garbage performance. Yeah, that's what I used to do in 1999. I'd put <laughs> Back on in the day. When I was angry at the Red Wings and just go skate for a while. Like, I backskated myself because I was mad at them. Um,
3: that was before rage napping became a thing. Thin <laughs> <yeah>, exactly.
1: <laughs> if only I had discovered rage napping, I could <laughs> have saved myself so much uh, blood pressure problems. Uh, it was, yeah, it was just such a, an annoying game because yeah, they they played a pretty good first period right up until the three minutes that they f- fell to fucking pieces, and then. Like it felt it doesn't matter they're still going to win even when they were down three to nothing it's like it feels like they're kind of like they're going to win this game and get away with it and then it came it came to a point where it's like I don't know if I want that to happen like it it always feels so shitty to kind of want your team to lose to learn a lesson Um, but I got to feeling like that and then Kindle turned that puck over and then Cronwall lazy skated back on the puck and I thought Blashill pulled Morazic like a full minute too late. And this was just as undisciplined as they've played all season long. And it's just one of those games that you don't want to crumple it up and throw it away. You want to pin it up on the bulletin board and say, this is how you assholes played. Don't fucking do that again. Um, So that's that's where I'm at. Like, yeah, just... Everybody should feel bad about that game.
0: Right, and that's the funny thing about hockey is that, you know, um, they play, you know, we're also very angry uh, with the game uh, and how it played out. If you were a stats person, uh, like many of us like to to pay attention to, um, the Red Wings controlled the game in terms of puck possession, and it really wasn't that close. You know, there was never a point, maybe like in the first few, like, minutes the red wings controlled the game um but like i said (laughs) howard comes out and lets up three three goals on six shots and it it, it, that really that was like the nail in the coffin like that was bad you can't do that and uh you know i'm a big fan of howard i've tried to defend howard as much as i can but after tonight i think there needs to be a little bit of uh reconciliation that maybe it's not a good idea to go with the one a one b thing anymore Maybe it's time to, you know, hand it over to Morasic a little bit. And if it doesn't work, then shit. But, you know, you have to, I don't know. It just, it's just, it's not that great. So, um, uh, Graham, Michelle, why don't you guys go ahead and talk a little bit on
2: that? Uh, I mean, Howard, it's tough to lay the blame entirely on Howard tonight. The first goal I thought was a bad, it was a misread by him because he should have stopped that puck coming off the boards and not allowed it to get in front. Goals two and three. I put that more on the defense than on Howard. I mean, the second one's a tip in in front. The third one was Schlumko basically being allowed to walk in, um, pretty much lusted into the into the slot and getting into a high danger scoring area. Um, I, I tweeted this and I said that maybe this is the game where Mrazek takes over, which is is not really fair to Howard because Howard over the point streak, I would argue Howard was actually the better goaltender of the two and actually kept them right. more in and, and stole more games. So. I don't know that I'm necessarily ready to say go to Morassic as the starter quite yet. Um, I think at some point in this season it has to happen, but um, I I would want Howard to get another game shortly after this one to see how he responds to it, because... You know, the, the knock on him, the the people, his detractors will say, Well, when he gives up a goal, then his body language changes and he looks like he's not looks like he's down on himself and you know, they play amateur psychologist crap, which I I think is crap, but whatever. Um, but it will be interesting to see if if he does follow up tonight's performance with another sub nine hundred game, then yeah you start to go, Okay, maybe maybe it's time to go to Mrazic. But I, I, I don't wanna see howard not get a start within the next week so you know shortly after the christmas break
0: yeah i know i think that you'll definitely see howard get you know one more start before the christmas break because well what do we have like we have
1: we got four games in six days coming up after the christmas break
0: okay so, so obviously you gonna you gonna you'll see him after that but mm-hmm. um michelle <laughs> what, do you, what what about you uh you know go ahead and weigh in on that for us
3: i'm not so much angry as i was frustrated at the loss um I think that there were some, like there were some encouraging things, if you will, that we can take away. Like the frustrating part, so we allowed those three stupid goals in a short span, and it's frustrating because Howard wasn't the greatest. But I'm also not going to string him up because, kind of like Graham said, the first one he should have jumped out and covered when it bounced off the boards and it came in on him. It looked like it surprised him. It took a funky bounce, but he should have jumped on it and got it. But The rest of the team also bears a lot of responsibility. I would have liked to have seen him make, you know, one or two of those saves, but it's not something that I'm going to string a goalie up for. Just like, um, you know, on the goal that Mrazek let in, um, he made the initial save, passed the puck up to Kendall, Kendall gives it away, Mrazek makes the save, and then Kendall skates in and slides into Mrazek's left leg and takes it out from under him, and Mrazek's down and out, can't do anything about it. Like, yeah, he let in the goal, but it's not something... what the hell was he supposed to do? Um, the Wings did get two power play goals, which given how atrocious our power play had been for so long, that's encouraging to see. Um, something else, uh, Joachim Anderson did not play. He played one shift in the third period, and then Luke Glendening didn't play after the twelve twenty-five of the third period. And then we had that shift, that beautiful, beautiful shift with Larkin, and Shane, and Yurko. And that entire sequence was... It was like hockey porn. I mean, it was beautiful. But even right up until the end, even when we were down, I never felt like the game was something that we couldn't win. I never felt like all hope was lost. We're doomed. We're not going to win it. Even right up until the end, it was like we could come back. Right. And yeah. I mean, that. I that's at least something for me. I mean, there are some games where you just feel like they're never going to win. I felt a lot like that last season. But I don't feel like that this season with this team. Like even when everything goes to shit and you're down 3 nothing early in the game and you have to pull your goalie and, like, the team needs to pull their heads out of their asses. I don't get that feeling, like, all hope is lost.
0: Well, that's good. I mean, at least you feel like that. <laughs> um, the way I look at it is that I'm not going to pin the loss on Howard, like, at all. I really won't. Um, that one goal where... They shot it in, and it bounced off the boards, you know, those lively boards that we have at the Joe Louis Arena. And he just kind of played it like it was an icing, it seemed like. Um, You know, they they scored anyway, so obviously the the fan of me wants to say, dude, jump at the puck and try and cover it up. Like, you know, try and at least knock it out of where it was going. Um, Even if you miss it, maybe you knock it into a different angle, and that doesn't happen, but, um, you know, you want to see him... Try and play that puck. You know, maybe he was confused. I don't know. Either way, I'm not going to pin it on Howard because uh, you know, it, it, when you look at it, the Red Wings they they controlled the possession game. Um, I mean, Pavel Datsuk um, at even strength only saw two shot attempts against, so he was at ninety percent shot attempts. Like, so he murdered you know whoever he was up against. Same with Brad Richards. Um, you know that that line was very good. It's just. I mean, call it bad luck i mean cuz really a goal like that where it bounced off the boards you can consider that that's a bad luck but you know i i don't feel satisfied just saying that it's bad luck you know i can't i am not the kind of fan that could just say ah oh, well you know they're not winning so it's bad luck um i don't know.
3: think it was bad luck i mean we saw breakdowns of
0: yeah, the no, team absolutely. and it was
3: like when when they did you know it bit them in the ass
0: right and it that's the thing is that um they didn't play like, you know, like you said, um, you know, they went down three to nothing and the game kind of changed. Obviously, you go down three to nothing, you're going to start taking more shots, you're going to start making, you know, you're going to tighten up a little bit, but you, it, it just kind of put the tail between the legs and, I don't know, it was it was brutal to watch, uh, you know, because obviously, if at least one of those goals doesn't go in, it's a completely different hockey game.
1: So... Um, here's the thing on, the, on those shots yeah, the first yeah, yeah. goal was absolutely soft it was a bad goal by Jimmy Howard and anybody who says otherwise mm-hmm. is not telling the truth but to say like oh, that destroyed the team or whatever or the, the second and third goals are on him you square to the damn puck you don't square to the back door because that's how you give up really soft short side yep. goals that second goal, not on Howard that's a defensive breakdown that third goal, you can't let Schlemko walk into the slot Unmolested, with a guy also coming across your field of view, because there was a Devils player that was low too, and they score. You don't blame that on the goalie. That is called a high danger shot for 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 a reason. When he makes a save, then you appreciate that he made a wonderful save. But that is a snipe shot. That is not on Howard. And if you want to say the team played like shit because it was Howard in net, I don't agree with you on that.
0: Yeah, Howard deserves
1: criticism because he led in a bad goal, and the Red Wings lost by one goal. So. (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, uh, you know, nobody's, it, nobody's real interested in blowing smoke up his ass. But the the concept of, like, we've got to blame this all on Howard, or if the goaltending had been different, this all gets different. Fuck that. If the entire team had been different, this gets different. Let's just share the load where it belongs on everybody, because it was not a good performance by the Red Wings. And it's it constantly feels like we've got this shit with... Like, Howard lets in any goal, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, I would have liked to have seen him stop that, when, honestly, there are a lot of goalies who don't stop shots like that Slumco one. It's the responsibility of the team to not fucking allow those shots. So, right. just call it what it is. It was a bad performance by Howard, absolutely. Is the loss on Howard? If you want to call it that, do your thing. But I, I don't agree. I think it's lazy.
0: Yeah, and I'm with you on that. I think that it's, uh, it's more of a team... You know you know you put the 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 blame more on the team uh, more than you do on the goalie um, and that's fine um, but I'll never tell anybody how to fan if they want to blame Howard fine but um
2: I don't know Graham, well, I, I mean, what about to, you to Jay, to JJ's point I won't I won't tell somebody how to fan but if they blame Howard, I'll tell them that that's not that's not right I mean it's there's a difference between saying um, you know, don't be upset or, or, or don't blame the goalie. But I mean, we can, you can look at the game tonight and say, look, Howard's not without him. Um, but if you are going to say Jimmy Howard cost the Red Wings the game tonight, that, that's not right. That's not a, that's not a correct statement. Right, because I'll tell you this if people truly believe that the team is deflated uh, after Howard lets in that first goal which was a bad goal by him to let in I think that says more about the other players and about the coaching staff than it does about Jimmy Howard because yeah. one bad goal or mistake should not cause a professional hockey team to just completely fall apart and and give up two horrific goals after that that, that shouldn't happen so even if even if Howard had just like done like a Goldberg in the Mighty Ducks and just thrown his equipment on the ground and let them score, <laughs> that still shouldn't affect the rest of the team. If anything, if if you want to play that amateur psychologist, if anything that should kind of strengthen the team because they'll say, "Hey, we got to pick our goalie up because you know what? He made a mistake, but we're a team, and we got to play better. So um, anybody who says that you know the team gave up or Howard gave up, it's it's garbage. I don't agree with it.
0: Yeah. yeah, well, I've I've tried. I've you know I've I've kind of um, played the whole you know goalie against goalie all season long, and it's it's funny because Morasic has had bad games. He's had games where he's had goals go in and he shouldn't have, but you don't see the fan base really pin, pinning it on him. Why is that? Uh, well, I'll let you kind of you know. I think that just goes without saying. I think people are you know. They're, they're quicker to judge on Howard than they are in Mrazek, and that's fine, I get it, but um, it's kind of like with the Larkin thing, you know, everybody wants to believe that Larkin has a great game every game, but, you know, if there was a stretch where he wasn't playing that well, you know, albeit it wasn't a very long stretch, but, um, you know, so it, it is what it is, and tonight isn't a Howard loss, it's a team loss, it really is, um, and, and blame it on whoever you want, but... I think it it goes not not even just with the team, like the players. It has a lot to do with coaching um and I'm not saying that the coaching is bad, but you know whatever let's let's not try and pine over that for too long, but you know it was a, it was a rough game, um, and you know the Red Wings went through a, such a long stretch where they were generating points but and and that got them up in the standings. But as we stand right now, um we're fourth in the division, the Panthers have pulled in front of us. I'll be, we, we do have a game in hand on them. Uh, the Sens are a, a point back from us. We have a game in hand on them. And obviously the regulation, overtime loss, win thing. Um, but, you know, that's not good, acceptable, in my opinion. Because you think about... If you want to think back to how many blown leads this team has had um, that have taken us to overtime or have lost the game, um, the team should easily be number one with how the Canadians have kind of bottomed out right now. So... I'm a little bit upset with that. I think that's, you know, that's, I'm, 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 I'm upset with that because I think that wins are very valuable in this division because of how tight it actually is. Um, and, 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 you know, I mean, if you think about it, the Lightning, the Sabres, I mean, the Lightning are at 37 points right now and the Sabres are at 32. So obviously there's a big drop off there, but, you know, the Lightning could could heat up. I mean, I know they're battling a lot of injuries. So the Red Wings, they don't have a lot of um, room for error right now. So, you know, they have to really kind of weather the storm here. And I don't know what needs to change. Uh, you know, obviously, you had the call ups of Nosak and Ulette, who haven't played since they've been called up. Would you guys say that it's probably time for one, at least one of those players to draw into the lineup come the next game? I, yeah. I think the,
1: the answer of which one is obvious. It's, yeah, I think I, it's I,
0: obvious that Kindle should probably not play another game ever. Um, ever. No, absolutely. And you know what? We we go through this, it seems, every year. Um, it's a loss. Y- you blew it. Kindle's not that good of a player. The experiment's over with. It just don't, you know, leave him as number seven. I don't care. Or put him on waivers. Just put the better player out there. You want to play the best team. And I think that with both Nosek and Kindle, I'm sorry, Nosek and Olet, you need to play both of them because that makes your team better even though we haven't seen nosek in an actual nhl game yet um i still think that a fourth line of yurko Glendenning, and nosek is much better than a fourth line of anderson um Glendening, and yurko so you know i think that's something that really needs to be taken account for not saying that the fourth line is going to win the game but it could certainly make a huge impact yeah i agree well that was yeah, a quick.
3: <laughs> I would have put uh, No second Roulette in both of them as soon as they were called up.
0: Oh, yeah, I would have too. Michelle. I would
3: like have put people. them in before they were called up. But, I mean, they make, kind of as you outlined, they make the team better. They're better options. And if you could get that fourth line to be better and offensive and maybe chip in some goals like that can I mean that can be the difference maker in a game look at how many games are one goal games two goal games if you get one more goal if you could get one goal every few games from your fourth line and that's like nothing that could be a difference maker that could get you a couple extra points. And with how tight the points race is that I mean, that can make a big difference. Like why do you want to stick with a shit fourth line that you know, isn't going to score you any goals that isn't going to do anything. And then you're going to put your co there who you know, could do something when you have other options you have right there at your disposal. I could easily make this fourth line better. I could make this fourth line right. good. But and no, I'm going to stick with what it is. Yeah. hoop. Well, I, I under- like this diarrhea poop instead.
0: I understand that. I, at first, I understood why they put Kendall in because he had sat for a long time. So hopefully, you're lighting a fire under his ass and maybe he comes and he plays really well. But he didn't. He didn't play well. He played bad. Okay. You cut your losses that there. Was,
3: that was the entire narrative last year, though, too. It was like, right. oh, it they has had been... sitting him to light a fire under his ass and then well, he'd come that's... in and play good for a game. That's what he does. I'm sick of that. I'd rather have well, a yeah, that's player that plays good all the
0: time. That's been the narrative of much of Kindle's career, and that's whatever that that's what he is. So, um, so yeah. Next game, we should uh, we should we should look for Ulet uh, we'll and Nosek at least one of the two drawing into the lineup. That's that that we all agree on that, and I believe that most of the fans would agree on that. Um, so let's move on from this game, like. Let's get it out of our systems. It sucks, whatever. But let's talk about the week that was. We didn't have many games, so what do we have? Three. Um, yeah. So we saw Vancouver, which was a loss, um, and then you know the uh, the Flames, which is a win, and then tonight, obviously, um, the Red Wings in their last ten are five, two, and three, um, which isn't terrible. I mean if you wanna go ahead, you know it', it it's not terrible
1: <laughs> it's three games above five hundred <laughs> yeah,
0: sort of i mean if you wanna if you wanna look at it that way um so I'm
1: just trolling Caleb there because he was complaining oh, about that earlier today yeah I know I know
0: um they're at a they're even with goal differential, which is eh, but um so if you look back at the Vancouver game and then the flames um and then you know obviously we already talked about tonight um over a three-game span, that's kind of a small sample size, but, you know, what you've seen over the three games, what are your like your thoughts after seeing them all? So I'll let you guys talk a bit on that, because I, admittedly, I didn't get to see much of the Flames game. The Vancouver game, I didn't see much of, very much of. So I, I want you guys to kind of talk a little bit more on that, if you could. Go ahead, Graham. Graham is dead. Okay, JJ, go ahead. <laughs> um,
3: uh, he's he's rage napping, okay? Leave him. Yeah, he's taking
0: another nap. Jeez. <laughs>
1: Ah, it's it was a, a really annoying week honestly. The Vancouver game where the Canucks were playing their uh, their third game in four nights and the second a back-to-back where they were tired and the Red Wings had not played since Monday which had been a loss. <laughs> it was just a, they came out and they just shit the bed against Vancouver. Um just some real uninspired sloppy horse shit. Um just like the the like, there's ever a statement game to be made where it's like we have a killer instinct that was the game the Red Wings should have made that statement and they didn't and that's that's truly aggravating uh, then they came back and they played a really good game against the Flames Um they had a two goal lead going into the third that they actually held on to even though of course they had to make it close Um because why the hell not like I've I haven't been as relieved about a, uh, an empty net goal in a, a very long time, but like that was kind of mm-hmm. if, felt like exercising the demons there as far yeah. as not giving up leads. And then yeah, the uh, the Jersey game again where they just couldn't get out of their own damn way. It's yeah. it's uh it's been a little scary coming off yeah. of the the real good performance they've had, the performance they'd had that climbed them so high in the standings. So. Um, it just shows they've got a lot more work to do. They've got the potential to be a, a pretty, a pretty damn good team if they can get all their shit together at once. But they have uh, only shown glimpses of that. It seems like they fix one thing and another thing gets broken, or, or uh, you know, it's it's just they can't uh, they can't all get on the same page. Right, Graham? Are you alive?
2: I think so. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Good. I, I, you. I Yeah, my uh, my microphone took a rage nap, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah no i mean vancouver game was you know it was somewhat similar to this in that it was you know they kind of came out it was actually worse because they came out like they just completely forgot how to play um the calgary game overall was a good game um uh, i think that was actually one of the more complete games they've put together in in quite some time and you know we talked about tonight already so um i kind of agree with jj it's it's really it's a, a matter of consistency and. This is something that is not new for the Red Wings. Um, we, we've seen it all year. We saw it last year. We saw it the year before. Um, I don't know what it is. Sometimes you get these glimpses of how good this team actually could be, and you think, you know, this is a team that could maybe do some damage enough, and then you see them, you know, have these these small stretches where you think they'll, they should be fighting for first overall. So, um, I mean, I guess if I have to put a... positive spin on it all it's that they did earn points over this stretch of their schedule um you know they they really i mean this part of their schedule was the easiest part it's going to get significantly more difficult as we move forward and while they did give up and they did um not earn as many points as we think they should have um they still earned a lot of the possible points that they could have gotten so and they did things that they, they played in such a way that um it it gives me some confidence over the the rest of this season that if they continue to play this way, they're more likely to win games and earn points than you know, than what we saw through the first 10, 15 games of the season when you just thought, oh My God, this is this is bad. So it's I don't know, it's just up and down. It's just it is what it is this season. There I, I actually find it fun in a weird way because it lets me know that my heart still works.
0: <laughs> right. And uh <laughs> The funny thing is, and that's what really chaps my ass most, is that um, against, you know, we go back to Vancouver, that was a game that no excuses, you win that game because they were missing uh, one of the Sedin twins, and uh, they were missing, uh, what the hell is his name? Their second line center. They were missing, okay, so they were essentially missing their first line center, their second line center. Um, You have to win that game. Vancouver is a bad team. Um, even though they are second in the Pacific right now, Pacific is a gong show. Um, it's just, you, you absolutely have to win that game and they, you know, they got a point out of it. They got to lose a point, but you need to, you need to pull it out and win that game. And, uh, you know, they came out and they won against the flames, which is a game again, they should win. Um, and they did. And then tonight was another game. You should win. Cause when you look at the rosters, you compare rosters, you know, who on the Canucks or the Devils. Do they have a player who is like a complete game changer? Who is one of those players? I mean, you guess. I guess you could say is maybe Redeem Bravada or the other Sedin twin. I think it was Daniel but Did he play or was it Henrik? I think it was Daniel. Yeah, um, played. yeah Daniel played. Uh, you know, you look at the, you look at the um, the Devils roster, and it's just like outside of Camilleri, there are no players on that team who come close to what the Red Wings have. So it's it's a little frustrating. You know, I think that obviously um the uh the Devils have the benefit of having one of the better goalies in the league in Corey Schneider. Um but that shouldn't be enough cuz he didn't look particularly sharp tonight. Um so, you know, it is what it is. Um they should definitely have at least 4 points out of that that span, but they didn't. So, um you know, it was a, it was a bad stretch and, you know, now they they kind of are paying for it cuz in such a close division, they really need to hoard as many points as possible, which they were doing for a while, uh, whether it's winning or losing. Um, and and like Graham had said, it's not going to get easier. You know, you have a stretch of teams that are, you know, they're okay. You know, you're going to have the Predators, the Wild, uh, the Jets who aren't that great, the Penguins who aren't that good, the Sabres who are like, you know, are they good, are they bad? They're more likely bad, but... Um, so. It's time to kind of put up or shut up and kind of show what the team actually is. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, Michelle, what about you? Over the last three games, um, your thoughts. Obviously, they can't be that great. But maybe you have a little bit more of a positive outlook. Uh, so, go ahead and enlighten us.
3: <laughs> I, um, I didn't get to see the Vancouver game because I was at the Griffins game that night. So Which is great. I That's say, fun. I, I can't say a whole lot. about when when I checked in on updates for that game, though... By the way, you guys were talking in the chat and people were talking like I thought it was a shit show. I was expecting to check the score and see us down like 4 nothing. And I think when I looked, it was like – I think it was 2-1. And I was like, oh, well, I mean score-wise, that's, that's not that bad. Like this is doable. And then I checked in later. I saw that it went to a shootout and I'm looking through and I'm like, oh, well, Brad Richards scored the only goal in the shootout. I mean – I get, I get really tired of talking about Jimmy Howard in the shootout because, I mean, that's not his strong point. Like, every goalie in the league has things that they're really good at and then they have weaknesses, right? And I think that it's the job of the team to help out with the goalie's weaknesses just like a goalie helps out with the team's weaknesses. That's part of being a team. But then I look at, you know, the Wings only scoring one in the shootout and like, I mean, if we could get a little bit better at that too. And it looked, you know, like... From what I could see, it didn't look like Jimmy... It looked like he had a pretty good game in regulation and overtime. So, I don't know. It's kind of disappointing for it to end in a shootout like that. And then the Calgary game, I did get to watch. And I thought that was a pretty good game. I, I enjoyed watching that game. And, you know, we won. So, that's always good. The, the frustrating thing for me at times... And I say frustrated. I mean mildly frustrated. Is when I look... When I see... Like you catch those glimpses of the team being really good and you're like, Wow, when this is all working and like everybody's doing their job and they're working like a well oiled machine, it's beautiful. I mean, the the way that these players can play, the passes that they make, just the way they work together, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. It's it's like art on ice. And then when things go to shit, you're like, What what the hell happened? Like, how could you be this good? here. And then, on uh, you know, the next time I turn around and look, you're like, you forgot how to hockey. You have clown shoes on. And then, yep. you know, when stuff like that happens, like watching, you know, that sequence um t- tonight with the Devils, and I look at, okay, who, like we, looking at us having better roster options, you know, it goes back to seeing like, Willette's sitting and noshek sitting. And I'm like, man, you know, that, that little thing could be the difference like if if it keeps coming back to some of the same players that will have a really good game one night but then completely shit the bed the next night like i don't want that kind of inconsistency i would rather have you know players that can be good even if they're not great every night but can be good every night and i think that's the frustrating part of seeing um you know like looking at these last 3 games is it's it seems like it's such an up and down um and that's kind of frustrating to watch sometimes and i i don't know
1: well i yeah, will say that one Kindle. thing yeah go ahead yeah. jj that's the thing with kindles like i'm a, i was okay with him playing in the calgary game um Willett had just played the two previous nights in Grand Rapids. So, yeah, let Kendall come back in, let Willett sit. But, like, even in a game where we yeah, pretty much dominated Calgary, uh, Kendall wasn't that good. And that was in, like, he got super-duper easy zones. He got a 100% offensive zone starts to defenses. He had zero starts in the defensive zone. And, like, really just didn't do anything. Um so I thought that was a good opportunity. It's like, okay, well, maybe it was rust, or maybe you suck. So, fuck it, you had your chance. Let's. Get the, yeah, that
0: was the big thing about if. the Vancouver game. They were coming off such a long stretch of having rest, and uh, you know, you you want to look at your team and think that they're going to come out guns a blazing, fresh legs. But um, yeah, uh, and it's not.
3: It's not even about like scape. You know, it's it's not scapegoating players. Like it's not scapegoating kiddles It's just going, hey, look, we have a better option. We have a
1: better—somebody
3: that we think could be better at our disposal. Why don't we friggin' use him?
1: That's the thing is, if you've got rust, then are you practicing the right way? Because a lot of the mistakes they were making were mental breakdowns. Uh, The pass that off a Kindle that got picked off that ended up as the game-winning goal in the, the jersey game tonight was not a bad decision. I know a lot of people like, oh, you never go up the middle from the defensive zone. But if you look at the replay, the absolute safest play was back around behind the net um, because the guy who ended up tipping the pass off Kendall's stick was actually covering up the wall. So the the safe up-the-wall play was not the right play. The pass up the middle was there. He just didn't make it. You've got to be able to get that puck a little bit off the ice and to miss the very end of that stick. And he didn't do it. He just didn't execute. That is a mental mistake. The third goal that got Howard chased was... Um, Nyquist got the, the the stick taken out of his hands, and he went to the bench to get a new one. And so he was laid on the back check on Schlemko, uh, the defenseman who jumped up on the play and recognized it. Well, the Kaiser was facing the play the entire time that was happening. And he should have recognized that Schlemko did not have a guy covering him, that the back checker was not there and backed off. But instead, he chased up the boards to pinch a guy off, which would have been a great play had the back checker been there. But since he didn't have that support, it was a bad idea. Schlemko gets free, coasts to the slot, scores the goal. It's just those little tiny mental breakdowns that it's like you if you'd have just thought about it for half a second, not you, Brendan Smith, because. You should never think about anything because you're bad at that. Right. But <laughs> if you just focus a little bit better, you don't make these mistakes and things turn out fine. And I don't think that you needed to have played a game in the last week to not make that mistake. Um, so
3: no, that should be a pretty basic, basic ingrained thing in in their brains at this point. I agree. Like a, you know, so, a decision like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, moving along, we've already like. With with recent news, basically, uh, you know, we already covered Ullt Nocek They got the call-ups before the roster freeze. Um, you know, they'll stay here for the time being. Um, you know, after the roster freeze is lifted. You know, obviously by that time Erickson will be better, so he, obviously he'll he'll come back into the into the lineup. Um, which player do you think goes down first? Because the Red Wings have without Nocek, they have twelve forwards who are healthy. So um, just really quick here, uh, I personally think that Ouellette stays and Nosek goes back down because um, I don't think they're willing to put Kindle and Smith both into the game at this point, I would hope. So I think ulette probably gets games before, gets more games than no gets.
3: But if Erickson's I back, think. then that would, oh, yeah, are I they going to keep so. that many defensemen? Yeah.
2: yeah. Erickson comes back. They send Ulette down because then you have, otherwise you have eight defensemen and 12 forwards.
0: Yeah. Well, YOLO. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't, honestly, I, I think they're better off with, with Ouellette in the lineup than anybody else. So
2: why? I, I don't disagree with that. Um, I, I should be I would put a let in uh, instead of Erickson if Erickson was oh, out there yeah. I'd be well, like hey, you know what yep. you you know what you're still yeah. hurt you're you know what you need like four more months to recover from your minor upper body injury yeah. um, and if
3: he argues you just hit him again
2: yeah wow. with sick I get torn I admit I I haven't seen sick play um, I know the easy thing is to say well he'd be better than Joachim Anderson I've never seen Nosek play at the NHL level. I don't know personally whether that's a true statement or not. I also know that Jeff Blaschel is not playing his fourth line in the third period of games, and he's barely playing his, third line, his fourth line at all. So I don't know what sort of impact Nosek is going to have. I mean, if you're looking for offense, and Michelle, I'm going to ask you to please correct me if I'm wrong here, but Nosek is not really one of the more offensive guys in Grand Rapids. Uh, well
3: he's he's not at this particular moment, but he's had a really rough start to the season. Plus his wingers are Dan Cleary and Colin Campbell, so okay. fuck that shit. But he well, like he tore up the playoffs last year. I mean he has yeah. a lot of offensive capabilities.
0: So we think that we so the consensus is that they're not gonna keep eight defensemen, that's that. Which makes sense. So um Yeah,
1: I think it's more that they're not gonna only keep twelve forwards. Yeah, I, I think but, that... Yeah. that
0: yeah, that, that might be worse. 12 forwards, that's 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 kind of cutting it pretty close. Um, unless you want to move Smith to forward again, which was awful. <laughs> um, so we kind of already went through how tight the Atlantic is right now. Um, it seems like it's just going to be that way for the rest of the season. Um, the Red Wings, as they're playing right now, they could make the playoffs re- you know, as a second, you know, you know, and number two in their division, or they could make it as a wild card. So, you know, that's nothing new uh, for them right now. Uh, so we're not going to really weigh in on that. Um, so just another thing, another piece of news that we are not going to spend a lot of time on because nobody really cares, but uh, Merrick to Red Wings prospect. Um, he went on unconditional waivers, which essentially means they both, both the team and the player had agreed that, Hey man, not working out. Let's just cut ties, you know we'll we'll basically buy out the contract and, and you know go wherever you want to go. Um, he pretty much had said that he didn't want to play in the ECHL this year and you know it's not really his choice. The team is't gonna cater to a lower tier prospect. so uh, they kind of just let him go. Uh, do we see that as a you know a loss for the future at all? Personally, I don't think so, but I said that with you know Jan Mark and ferraro so
1: <laughs> well yeah, but yeah but he's, in the nhl he's going back to basically the the whole mutually agreed termination like it's not even a buyout it's like basically you, we agree you're done in north america because it's it's not like nobody's ever done this before so i don't know what the nhl would do but after Tverdon cleared unconditional waivers and his contract was terminated, which was such a non-story that basically nobody bothered saying, oh, hey, by the way, Tverdon cleared waivers and he's terminated. It just just happened. Um, If he were to go, like, he is technically a free agent in North America right now, but I don't know if he signs with another team what the NHL does about that. Because the concept of, like, you could have had him on waivers and now you're signing him to another contract is mildly stinky of... Of, of circumvention so essentially the way that works is yeah you're you're done in North America um, the Red Wings could have actually loaned him to Slovakia to say fine go play there you've cleared waivers it doesn't matter uh, we're going to hold on to your contract and you can go have fun back in the motherland and if you're real great we'll bring you back they cared so little about him saying he was going to bolt they didn't even want to do that they didn't even hold they would rather have his contract space against the 50 co- uh, contract limit than to say, we think you have a chance to make it in North American hockey. So yeah, it's it is what it is. Bye.
0: Right. So. Bye, uh, I think we all we all feel the it. way. It's just like bye. <laughs> I, I personally I don't know how that works. I thought it was somewhat of a buyout, so he wouldn't be able to sign with another NHL team.
1: Uh, it, technically, apparently he can. I just don't know because it's never happened. Like I don't okay. know if the NHL okay. would allow it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I mean, if another NHL team was. Maybe smart. Maybe they could try it and get like a free player, who could plug up some time in the AHL for them. Whatever.
3: Um, he's already he's already signed a contract in the KHL with HC Slovan Bratislava. So I all mean, right. Well, then I don't fun, I don't think bro. an NHL team yeah. has a plan for him. Have but, fun, bro.
0: Hopefully, he just goes to the what? Where are they going to China now? Maybe he'll go to China. Yeah. Who knows? Um. Say hi so
1: had a while you're
0: there. Hey. Um. <laughs> all right. So that pretty much rolls. Everything up into a blanket with how we've been feeling for the past week, uh, Michelle. We're going to pass it off to you for your wonderful prospect report. So go ahead and uh, seg
3: us into that, would you? Yeah. Well, this is my this is my favorite segment, and we have this amazing person who does all this stuff on prospects, and she's so smart, and she's a really great goalie too, by the way. So, um, Michelle, why don't you go ahead and tell us what's going on with the Red Wings prospects? <laughs> The Griffins have continued their win streak, extending it to a franchise record 14 games in a row. With three more games last week before the Christmas break, the Griffins rattled off a 3 2 win over the Lake Erie Monsters, a 5 4 win over the Texas Stars, and then an absolute dominant 6 1 win over the Stars again on Saturday night. Each week during the Griffins' win streak, they've continued to climb up the standings, passing first one team and then another. With a record now of 16 8 0 1 on the season and 33 points, they've now climbed to third in the Central Division and fourth in the Western Conference. This team, six weeks ago, was bottom of the league. The three games last week fulfilled Eric Tangrady's three-game suspension, so with him being out of the lineup, Marty Firk slotted back in. Unfortunately, the Griffins also lost Mitch Callahan for an extended period of time, when Friday morning in practice, he took a puck to the face and fractured his jaw. He had surgery and has gone back home to recover, but he is going to be out for at least four to six weeks. With him being out of the lineup for the two games last week, Zach Mastasiuk was also called back up from the Toledo walleye and played for the Griffins on Saturday night. With Tyler Bertuzzi replacing Mitch Callahan on the top line, flanking Andy Neely and Mark Sangerly, those three players have a ton of chemistry they've played together in the past, and Bertuzzi and Mealy always seem to click and find each other on the ice. With Eric Tangrady's Grady's suspension, Marty Furk slotted back into the lineup and played right wing with Anthony Mantha and Andreas Athanasiu. Andreas Athanasiu only played in two of the last three games as he's coming back from lower body injury, but Mantha, Athanasiu, and Ferk in the last three games have combined for 12 points. If you check out my game recaps for the two games over the week, you'll see the videos of the goals that these guys were scoring, and they're absolutely beautiful goals that are just pure skill and chemistry. The Griffins now have six days off to go spend with their families and enjoy Christmas, but on December 26th they get back in action, and it will have been exactly six weeks since their last loss. The entire Griffins team is hot right now, but which players are setting blazes wherever they go? Defenseman Robbie Russo is on a seven game point streak, and in those games he has nine points. He also has 15 points in his last 14 games. he has 14 assists and 16 points in 21 games, and that leads all Griffin's defensemen and is fifth on the team in points. He's not a flashy player, and when you watch him, a lot of times I don't even notice him on the ice, and then I'll look at the stat sheet and say, holy crap, he had two assists, or how was he fifth in scoring on the team? He's very subtle in that way, and he's been quietly putting up a lot of points since he arrived in Grand Rapids. He's been paired on the back end with Xavier Ouellette, and those two have made an excellent tandem. Speaking of Ouellette, in the two games against the Texas Stars this weekend, he was phenomenal. I was kind of in awe through both games of just how much he was doing. He was doing everything, and he was doing it with such pizzazz. He was asserting himself in a way that I hadn't yet seen him do at the AHL level. So many times when I'd see a player rushing the puck up ice, just flying, and I would look to see who it was, and oh look, it's Xavier Ouellette again. The other defenseman who continues to impress me and show that he deserves to be in the NHL, that he is that good, is Nick Jensen. He demonstrated again this last week, multiple times, just how smart he is positionally. He anticipates where the puck is going to be. He anticipates if the puck is actually going to come out of the offensive zone or not. There were a couple times against Texas, he just knew that the puck was going to come out, started skating backwards, put himself in position to cut off the Stars forward, who was didn't have the puck yet, but was going to get the puck. Then, with his speed and his skating, made sure that he got in front of that player, cut him off, took the puck, and skated away with it. I've never been as proud of and as excited for Anthony Mantha as I am right now. It seems like with each game comes more confidence and more of his skill set comes out and he gets more assertive with it. He's currently on a six-game point streak and has 12 points in those six games. He also has 15 points in his last nine games. Last week, he was the first star of the game twice and third star of the game on Saturday night. What I saw was a smart, strong, confident, skilled player who is starting to use both his size, his skill, and his brain all at the same time. The first thing that jumped out to me was Mantha on the power play. Mantha was the first guy that I saw this weekend go make a beeline to the net, get in front of the goalie, screen the goalie. When the puck would come out to the corner, he'd go in, retrieve it, pass it to his mates, go right back in front of the net, and he screened the goalie at least twice. It was like watching a Johan Franz and Justin Ablocator hybrid player. He is on the verge of starting to become a dominant player in the AHL. There's so much skill and so much talent in that one big body and it's all coming together for him and it is so exciting to see. His other half Andreas Athanasiouz continues to do his thing as well. Double A missed two games with a lower body injury but he's got 14 points in his last 11 games. Mantha's third on the team in points with 18 and Athanasiouz four on the points with 16. Those two just feed off of each other, and they have a chemistry that reminds me of watching Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg together. Just the way they would work so well together on the ice, and one always seems to know where the other is. They can make blind backhand passes and go tape to tape, and just know exactly where the other guy is, where to feed him the puck, and how to make it work. Their current linemate, Marty Firk, had a really rough start to his pro season. So far this year, he had spent 10 games as a healthy scratch, only getting into the lineup when someone was injured or called up to Detroit. Furk knows that his time is running out to prove to the wings that he can play in the NHL, and especially in the last five games, we've really seen that translate through his play. He's on a five-game point streak and has eight points in those five games, four goals and four assists. Those are good numbers to put up, but even beyond that, Ferk has been playing very, very well. It's the best hockey I've seen him play ever, and that includes his time in the queue. When Ferk left the QMJHL and turned pro, he had a lot of the bad habits and weaknesses that a lot of players have coming out of the queue. He wasn't moving his feet enough, he wasn't being aggressive in enough, and he would often give up too easily if somebody got the puck away from him. I've seen him take huge strides in overcoming those weaknesses. When I watch him now, he sometimes still has that habit of not moving his feet enough. He'll go after the puck and reach for it, but stop skating. His biggest asset is his shot. He has a wicked one-timer, and we're talking right up there with Timu Polkinen, and he's being put in a position to utilize his skills and his talents, and he just has the ability to score goals. He's been good offensively in stretches before, even in the AHL level, and he'll go a few games and be really on fire and then kind of drop off. So I think the big challenge for him right now is going to be to keep it up. This feels different than stints in the past, and I think that what we're seeing right now is the point in time when we'll look back later and say, Marty Firk saved his career right here. This was the turning point. With Tom McCollum still out with an ankle injury, this has been Jared Coro's team. He obviously got the win in all three games last week and was a few minutes away from a shutout on Saturday night that he deserved. He now boasts a 12-2-1 record, a 9.32 save percentage, and a 2.2 goal against average. That's the ninth best goals against average in the league and the 5th best save percentage. He's also tied for 5th most wins in the league, despite playing in fewer games than 3 of the four other goalies. Down in Toledo, the Walleye continued their ascent through the ranks with a perfect 4-0 and week. Wednesday they had a 5-1 win over the Indy Fuel, Thursday a 4-3 shootout win over the Brampton Beast, Saturday a 2-0 shutout versus the Manchester Monarchs, and Sunday a 4-3 win over the Indy Fuel. They're now 1st in the Northern Division and 3rd in the Eastern Conference with a 16-7, 1-3 record and 36 points. The Walleye got Zach Nastasiak back for two of those games after he suffered another concussion in Grand Rapids and was out for a while. In those two games, he scored three goals and had an assist, and that includes a game winner in the 5-1 win against Indy on Wednesday. Unfortunately for the Walleye, they've lost Zach Nasty for the next little bit, as he was recalled to Grand Rapids. And then word came this last week that they're also losing their second leading point-getter, Merrick Tverden. The Red Wings and Tverden mutually decided to terminate his contract, and the Wings put him on uncontrollably waivers. He was unhappy playing in the ECHL and wanted to be at least with the Griffins or playing back in Slovakia. Tverdin was obviously unhappy playing in Toledo, and the Red Wings, while they could have loaned him to Slovakia and still held on to his rights, obviously didn't have future plans for him as they decided that having his contract freed up was of more value to them than holding on to him and loaning him out to a team in Slovakia. In other prospects news, Chase Pearson made Team USA for their World Junior A Challenge tournament. In the exhibition game, he had two Assists and then in five games in the tournament, he had two goals and three assists for five points. Team USA beat Canada East 7-1 in their final game and took bronze in the World Junior A Challenge. In the Western Hockey League, I continue to be impressed by Dominic Turgeon. He picked up four more points in three games last week, three goals and an assist, including his team's only two goals in a 2-1 overtime win over Spokane. Despite scoring his team's only goals in that game to get them the win, he could only manage to beat nominated as third star of the game. He's still first on his team in points with 36. He's second in goals with 17. Rehart Bukarts has 18. And just since last week, he's moved up from 32nd in Western Hockey League scoring to 26th. Over in Sweden, Christopher N. didn't register a point in Sweden's exhibition game versus Denmark for the World Juniors, but Axel Holmstrom picked up two assists in the game, including a power play assist in a 5-0 win over Denmark. Initial roster projections had Holmstrom as the first-line center for Sweden and N. as the fourth-line Line center. However, after the exhibition game, it looks like lines have been changed up a little bit and Holmstrom will probably be centering the second line. He is however on the first power play unit as the net front puck retrieval guy. To no one's surprise, Joe Higgins made the final roster for Team Canada. In two exhibition games, he picked up an assist. He did play at even strength, power play, and on the penalty kill. Before the tournament even started, it was pretty much a given that he was a lock to make the team. He's the veteran returning guy, he's very good, and his coach from Victoria is also the head coach for Team Canada. So he knows exactly what Hickets can do. Exhibition games for the World Juniors continue through Christmas Eve. They take Christmas off. And then World Junior Games will start in the preliminary round on December 26th. Since there's not a lot going on in Prospects action right now, that leaves me plenty of time to answer your questions. Ace sprout 42 says so. Tang Grady. Lucky in line mates? Or is it possible that there's something else there? When the Griffins were really bad through the first 10 games of the season, Tangrady was one of their better players, and that's evidenced by the fact that he's still leading the team in points and goals. At 6'4", 233 pounds, he's a big body, he has good hands, good offensive abilities, and he has a little bit of snarl to his game. I think that his performance so far this season is more indicative of his ability and his play than it is that he's had good line mates or been lucky. I think that at the NHL level, he's probably a semi-replaceable for maybe third-line player, but I think he is an interesting player because he has size, he has good hands, he has offensive abilities, and he has that little bit of grit and snarl to his game that a lot of coaches like. Could there be something else there? Possibly. Bringing the Wing asked, is Anthony Mantha's recent performance his ticket to getting a call-up? The short answer to that is no, but it's not because he hasn't been performing incredibly well and working towards earning that call-up. My hesitation in bringing him up right now would be that he's about to break through. Uh, He's playing very well. He's putting all the pieces together and he's finally getting in and he's very confident in the AHL. I think one of the things you risk if you called him up at this particular moment would be that he still could be overwhelmed at the NHL level at this point. He hasn't mastered everything yet, but he's getting really good at it. So you run the risk if you call him up and it's a little too early and he's not quite ready that he could get discouraged. I would rather see him continue. continue on this pace and this path and continue to not only build up his confidence but solidify that skill than to call him up quite yet. However, I am sure that Mantha is one of the names that Jeff Blashill talked about uh, when looking for a call-up for the Wings. I know that he was very impressed with Mantha's performance. He went down uh, to Cleveland to watch him play against Lake Erie last week. After the game, Blashill said, I thought Anthony played well. He scored, so that probably twists your view of it a little bit, but I thought he played well. I like the fact that he did a good job skating away from the puck to get the puck or to track back, and I thought he won battles. I think if he does those things, he's going to be a real good NHL player in time. Mantha's been on fire since missing four games with a concussion. I think for the time being, he's better off in Grand Rapids to continue the development and progress and to build confidence. Josh L. MVP asked, who out of the defensemen in Grand Rapids has the best chance to play for the Wings someday? Jensen, Russo, Willette, or Spruill? willette is definitely at the top of that list. Nick Jensen hasn't had a chance yet to prove that he can play in the NHL, but he's a guy that he is absolutely an NHL defenseman, and I really hope that he gets to play with the Wings. Akadiani6 asked, when does Axel Holmstrom make the jump over to North America? That is a very good question. I think that he will probably play at least one more year in Sweden. I think the goal with him should be to let him develop to the point where he's NHL ready or very close to NHL ready in the SHL and then bring him over either when he's ready to go right to the NHL or maybe just needs a very short stint in Grand Rapids to get adjusted to the different ice and style of play. He's currently a junior player at 19 years old playing in the adult league over in Sweden. So he's getting a lot of really good developing time. He's playing against not only... Um, experienced older players but older experienced goalies as well so the development that he's getting playing over in the shl is on par or possibly better than what he would be getting in the ahl right now the wings aren't going to be in any rush to bring him over so i would say at least one more year i could see it being a couple years before he comes over appstate Nick asks what are the odds that katiekin's recent success with kobe is going to hurt the odds of him coming to north america or does he still want to As far as I know, he still wants to come over to the NHL, but it's not anything that he's in a rush for. I don't think his success with SKA and Kovalchuk will will make him change his mind about wanting to come over. Rather, I think it will actually help him prepare much better to come over. And a couple people asked questions about Joe Hicketts this week. Between the Circles asked, do you think Joe Hickett's size is going to keep him from the Detroit roster? I absolutely do not. He is small at 5'8, 177 pounds, but what's oftentimes missed is for a guy that's as short as he is, he's very strong. very muscular. He has a thick, stocky build. Just for comparison, Hicketts is 3 inches shorter than Timu Polkinen, who stands 5'11", but Polkinen only weighs 6 pounds more according to the official roster. Well, last summer in the Prospects tournament, Joe Hicketts went into a board battle with Anthony Mantha, who's six foot four, 214 pounds, and Hicketts made him look silly. Alex Stewart is a Western Hockey League scout for HockeyProspects.com, and one of the things he recently said about Joe Hickets was, he makes wonderful first pass. He has tremendous poise and being a 5'11 defenseman, one of the things that's most impressive is his ability to clear the front of the net. He would be impressive at that if he was 6'5", but he does a really good job at it for a guy of his size. The Red Wings over the years have been one of the best teams at recognizing and utilizing smaller players and if you have the skill and the ability to do what needs to be done, your size doesn't matter. Argus99 asks, how long before we see Hicketts get a shot in Detroit? I think we're still at least a couple of years away from seeing him wear the wing wheel. He should be in Grand Rapids next year and then a lot is going to depend on not only how his development goes at the AHL level, but also the Red Wings' defensive depth. All of that is going to dictate how soon we see Hicketts in the NHL. Thanks for all the great questions this week, guys. Keep sending them. So until next week, that's what's going on in the world of Red Wings prospects. Thank you for that prospects report, Michelle. That was awesome. You're great. Now we're going to throw it over to JJ for reader questions. JJ, what have we got?
1: Thanks, Michelle. You are the best. Ah, very first off, we've got Hockey Hubby asking uh, the big question. Are we going to talk about face-offs? Of course we should. I mean, all the Diggers covered it in grand detail because there was like one throwaway comment that they all had to build shit off of. So what about face-offs, guys? You like those? Good things?
3: I I saw that movie. It was it was okay. You know, not not my favorite, though.
0: Well, I do want to rip my face off. <laughs> oh, so I guess this is.
3: Kyle, I can't feel my face when I'm with you.
0: Oh, I know I can't I, you know there's a lot of people who would probably say the same thing. I, I that don't know could what that, the, I, I don't even could know just be that, the
3: cocaine talking.
0: I don't even know what that means, but you know we'll go with it.
2: This is Otter bullshit.
1: Get to the questions <laughs> <laughs> Hello.
3: <laughs> I'd rather yes. kick your butt for that
1: voice of God, thank you God <laughs> <laughs> uh. This wonderful, great... Uh, JJ from Kansas actually asked this question. Uh, what gifts would you give to some Red Wings players if you were Santa? I'm going to go with the reader answer for that one first. Uh, hockey Hubby uh, gives Helm a pair of hands. Nozaro33 gives uh, a bench to Glenn Denning to sit on and never touch the ice. sizzle went really charitable. Uh, Ablocator will get a giant room, so he has somewhere to put all his money. Richard gets a Stanley Cup because the Blackhawks one doesn't count. Brandon Smith gets a hockey puck so he can stop trying to steal one while it's in play and he's on the bench. Uh, Tatar would get a live study for any picture of himself doing one of his post-goal celebrations, because those are amazing. Pocono would get a slow-down time special move so he could get his shot off on time. Cronwall gets a blackmail dirt on the Department of Player Safety so he can go back to hitting people. And Mike Green would get two tickets for him and his cat, Banana, to go see a Gwen Stefani concert. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Smith gets a brain and Shahan gets a puppy from Old Man Hockey and Beer League arbitration. Uh, M-Draw-12 gives Fountain of Youth to Zetterberg. Uh, winging it in Casey Motown gives Gustav Nyquist a goose and then sets it loose. That's like he's giving him like himself. That's That would be weird for Nyquist to have like a pet goose. So what else we got? That's a, that's a lot of gifts to give out. Do you have any other...
3: I, I'm giving, I'm going to give Yurko a hug and then I'm also going to take him to the shooting range and I'm going to pin you a picture of Mike Babcock up on the target oh. and tell him to just Oh, you're going to say Yurko,
0: shoot him. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh, come on. Cool, man. Um, you know I, I love Yurko, don't
3: you? Do yeah.
0: It. I would give, oh, God, where do I start? I would give Dylan Larkin a cake just thank you a big thank you cake for making everything so fun um i would give pavel Datsyuk a cake because thank you for being so great um and then i would give the entire defense a prescription for badness
2: wait what
0: you give them a prescription because they've been bad, so you give them a prescription oh, so, so they're not oh, bad.
2: So an anti bad <laughs> pill is anti bad drugs.
0: No, yeah. I give them a prescription to, to cure their badness. The bad
3: you know, you guys oh. said a prescription oh. for
0: badness.
2: badness. <laughs> the good of sale.
0: Christmas is ruined. You don't fuck you guys. Well,
2: well I mean, Ooh, I, mean, I, mean gonna... I mean, I know when I go to the pharmacy, I pick up my prescription for a cold because <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what you're saying. If you say a prescription for badness, it's you're yeah. you're your, your, your saying that the pres- the the, the, the prescription they're picking up is badness
0: <laughs> right
2: and
3: uh <laughs> kyle you're fired. You- you're fired you're fired What's up, Kyle? Uh, I'm
2: gonna give you guys
0: prescription for
2: assholeness i'm gonna give you an i i would take dylan lurkin across the river to windsor and get him wildly drunk as a thank you <laughs> for also for having to play in front of that defense so two birds one stone and he's 19 so it's legal there um I would give Jimmy Howard and Peter Morazic a map to like the woods and then when they got there there would be one stick and it would just basically be whoever emerges is the starter.
1: Nice. Wow. Yeah. Murder for Christmas.
2: No no no, just like a stick. I mean not sharper so, thing. It would be You can murder people. With a
1: stick, Graham.
2: Well I don't know how you guys do things down in Kansas, <laughs> but up here we only maim. So <laughs> up there in Chicagoland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: it's the safe,
1: band. Band the passion <laughs> of Chicago. We don't murder. Yeah,
2: them. yeah, we don't. Not with sticks. <laughs> That's why. It's, yeah. So so
0: far, we're shooting um. uh We're giving out pills for badness, <laughs> and we're leading our and we're leading our goalies to a bunch of sticks. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I, great best video Christmas we got
1: here. Ever. <laughs> I don't think I can improve on, on this at all. <laughs> no. Uh,
3: you could give Morazik uh, a new jockstrap, so he has better support.
1: Yeah, I would give him goal support, honestly. Just, hey, maybe Howard too in the shootout. Nah, because nah. I don't want Howard to go not, to shootout the ever. shootout.
2: Yeah, I don't want the Red Wings going into the shootout in the first place. So no, that you return that for store credit.
1: I would give the rest of the Atlantic mumps. <laughs> <laughs> chemical, yeah, chemical biological warfare. That's let's just ramp this shit up to eleven. Uh, Nazaro wants to know now that the Atlantic is wide open, who do you think will win it? We uh, we talked yeah. about that, we didn't I? Let's get specific, Graham. Who wins the Atlantic?
2: Florida. <laughs> okay. I'm actually I'm I'm half kidding. Um, I think Montreal does. Uh, I think when Price comes back, I think they turn it around and they win. Win what? The division. The Atlantic. Uh, the Atlantic.
1: Yeah. yeah. What do you think, Kyle? You think Montreal pulls it off? Uh,
2: no, no, I
0: don't. I think their coach sucks. I don't think so. I think Boston wins wins the Atlantic. Uh,
3: you said Michelle. Well, my my brain t- says probably Montreal, and my heart says the Red Wings are just going to take it over. So if all I right. need to be a contrarian and not go along with Graham, then I would say that the Red Wings are going to get hot. They're going to put it all together and they're going to
1: be unstoppable. I think Montreal wins the division, too. And I think that not necessarily in the first round, but I think that we're going to play them in the playoffs this year. Uh, Hornecker wants to know, is Boston the Moneyball team of hockey, or are they punching over their weight class and due for a regression?
2: So they... I think Boston is Patrice Bergeron, Rask, and a heap of garbage. So, regression. Uh, don't Sometime forget all new need. star
3: player Landon Ferraro.
2: Oh, right. Uh, new new top line winger Landon <laughs> Ferraro. That's right.
3: I, I didn't really honestly, weigh
2: in on that, but that I
0: I that could, I could put a whole fucking radio show on that how Landon Ferraro is magically effective when he has fair usage. But anyways, go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah, we we should have played a Ferrari with more often. Uh, I cannot believe that a team can be called like the Money Ball, like oh the the smart spending their money to get the most out of um, market inefficiencies. Uh, you, you play, you trade a third rounder for Zach Ronaldo and then play him. I cannot accept that's a Money Ball move.
0: No, uh, not at all.
1: I think they are a well structured team. I think Claude Julien is honestly a good coach, and I think. Uh, they're a team built for Claude Julien's system and Claude Julien's system is good and that makes them a good team. I don't think that it's like, I don't think it's magic or or necessarily garbage, but I don't think they're as good as they've been in the last 10 or 15 games. If, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, I think they're definitely riding, you know, that, that hotness that maybe the Red Wings were, were running on. So, you know, they're a good team. I'm not going to take that away from them at all. They've always been a very good team. Um, who you know? They don't have any terrible contracts at first. Everybody kind of made fun of the Bolesky contract, but uh, in retrospect, it's just—it's not that bad of a contract um, for what it is. It's kind of like the applicator contract. It sucks, but it's not terrible. It's not like you're paying the guy six, seven million dollars a year. So um, yeah. I think Tuukka Rask is an overpaid goalie, though. Yeah, and he's a
1: big baby too. Yep. Uh, beer league arbitration with another good question what happens first Marazzi gives up a dumb goal while trying to score on an empty net or the FSN behind the scenes commercial buffer camera catches Darren Elliott and or Chris Osgood saying something offensive
2: <laughs> uh, the first Flatter. time Chris Osgood says deserves to be in the hall of fame that's offensive <laughs> 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 oh there
1: it is Graham wins we're going to shut that question down goodbye um, Red Wings 26-13-5 big fan of Yurko apparently uh, if you were a commissioner for a day and you could change anything you wanted regarding how the game is played or how the league operates, what would it be? Also, Merry Christmas, Whim Community.
3: Aw, Merry, oh, Merry Christmas.
1: Michelle, what would That's be your one change?
3: Oh. Um, I would. Fuck. I would magically. I, I'm a magic commissioner and I have a magic wand and I am going to magically fix the Department of Player Safety and make them consistent and do things the way that I say they
1: should be done. All right, Graham, what's your
2: uh, power move? I would go back to conference-based actually not even conference-based I would do the top 16 teams in the league excuse me, top 4 division winners get in the playoffs, the next 12 best teams regardless of conference get in the playoffs. Rank them 1 through 16 there's your playoffs.
0: (laughs) Kyle? Um... I would make the Flyers pay for Chris Pronger.
1: All right. Punitive. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go Total Homer, and I'm going to eliminate the salary cap for the Red Wings. Everybody else has to abide (laughs) by it. Detroit does not. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Fuck it. Fire me. I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> um, Jason asks a super easy question. If you could bring back a top-of-his-prime Fedorov and Jason, I gotta stop this because you misspelled Fedorov and that's my pet peeve. F-E-D-O-R-O-V Stop fucking that up, please. Or even Iserman, let's get crazy for the rest of the season but you had to lose two top-six forwards to do so. Who would you give up? <laughs> I mean, Hel- Helmet Yep. Right? and <laughs> yep, top-six forwards, He gone! Bye. Yeah. Bye. I mean, does anybody like? Do we want to give up anybody else? Is, is there a yeah, yeah? Do, who else <laughs> is gone?
3: I would I would be willing to give up Brad Richards. I'd give up Brad Richards for an
2: in his prime federal or Iseman. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I
3: get Brad Brad Richards and Darren Helm gone.
0: I'd I'd go. I'd give up. I, I'm not saying that they meant my first choice, but I if it meant I got one of those two. And, and, like, if somebody came to me, put a gun to my head, said, you have to get rid of Henrik Zetterberg, and I will give you a Steve Eisman or a Sergei Fedorov, be like, all right, fine, take it. Yeah, in their
2: prime, you have to. You know, good, in their prime, good, good, without question. <laughs> goodbye. I would take an Innis
1: Fedorov over Datsuk. Yeah. Absolutely, I would, too. But I'd give his number to Stamkos in a heartbeat. Yep. Mm-hmm. Me, too. <laughs> Which we didn't uh, Good question. Good thing we didn't, because
0: this, this show would have went on for, like, four hours. <laughs>
1: Jimmy Hoffa's ghost has a question and a beef, and he starts with the beef, because that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, he doesn't like that we didn't name Portland as one of the six theoretical expansion teams. I'm sorry, Portland is full of Jerkoffs. Sorry.
0: <laughs> it's not even that. It's just Portland is, it, it, if it's Portland versus Seattle, it's not even, it's not even a, it, it, Seattle is that much closer. Think about the rivalry. If you've ever been to Portland and if you've ever been to Seattle, you you, you would know.
1: Yeah. I've seen a Timbers game. I, uh, I hate their fans. I know it's every Portlandian, except for you who are listening to this podcast, if you live in Portland, I'm not talking about you. It's no. literally everybody else. You, Portlandian are a wonderful, amazing, uh, sexy creature who looks out for the good of otters everywhere. <laughs> um, and then he wants to know at what point the Wings get serious about trading Howard and what do you think we get back for him? Oh, God.
0: No. I, I feel it's like the same we, as last year. Keep value is higher than his trade value.
2: I, yeah, I, I think... I, we feel like we've covered this already, but if he is going to be traded, it's not... If he's going to be traded in season, it's not going to be until the trade deadline. And... I, I think that happens. That's maybe a 20% chance of happening. Right. If he is going to get moved, it's an off-season move.
0: If he gets moved, then you are, I do not accept that trade unless there are, it's like a prospect and a first round pick. Like, honestly, there hasn't been a goalie traded. Like, look at, okay, so what was Ryan Miller traded for from Buffalo? I can't remember off the top of my head, honestly. I could come There's back and.
1: Like their goalie and some other shit. All right, Here, I'm, so, I'm
2: pulling it out. I'm pulling it up now. Uh, this is Ryan a family show, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Miller. Uh, Ryan Miller went with Steve Ott, so that kills the trade immediately, right there, to <laughs> St. Louis from Buffalo. For Halak, Chris Stewart, a prospect, a first round pick in okay. 2015, and a third round pick in 2016. Okay,
0: so you could easily get a first round pick and a, and a fucking, you know, a first round pick and maybe like a mid tier prospect. I, I think
3: that's selling too low on Howard, though. But, I mean, I think if, you, if you're if you going to look at trading him, it can't be this year. And I probably wouldn't even do it next year. If you get rid of Jimmy Howard and you say, yep, Peter Mrazek is a starter. He's the stud that, you know, we always knew he was. You have to have another backup. So you either need to get a goalie in return or already have another planned trade to pull in a goalie. Or you're saying we think, what, Jared Coro is ready to come up and be an NHL backup? I mean, that would be a huge risk. He's been really good in Grand Rapids, and I think that he has the potential to be a good NHL backup, but he's not there yet. Right. So you have to take that into consideration because if you have Peter Mrazik as your starter, I mean— I'm not comfortable with having like oh just any goalie as backup like throw somebody in pads to sit there and chart faceoffs. I want somebody who if if Mraza gets hurt or he goes through a really bad stretch where he sucks or anything happens, I want to have a backup that I am completely confident. In. And that's what we have right now. Like I don't I don't fear either goalie. I'm pretty much cool with either of them starting and if one has a bad game, every goalie has a bad game, put the other guy in. I'm good with that. I love having them. I think that has a ton of value to the team. Right. Not only in the regular season, but, you know, come playoffs when you have options. Yeah, I and you're not like, well, we're stuck with this one guy, and if he shits the bed too bad, we have to stick with him because there's no way in hell we're putting our backup in.
0: Well, I will say, I, and it'll make it real quick, is that if you are, tr- at this point right now, you are trying to trade Jimmy Howard, then... You have your assets in a in an ass backwards uh, order, in my opinion. So
3: you might have your head in your assets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it depends. Right, on, exactly.
1: I, for me, it depends entirely on when it happens. If you're going to trade Howard at the trade deadline, for me, fair or not, and realistic or not, you've got to get a top six forward or a top four defenseman. Uh, ideally, even a top pairing defenseman, and then however else makes that trade work. In the offseason, I would take a decent backup and even a a decent prospect um, just as kind of a shed salary. Like, he doesn't have to be a a top end prospect or like a decent backup and a first round pick, as long as that first rounder is somewhere before number 20, I'll say. Um, You know, realistically, I think that's kind of what the price would be for him anyway. Yeah, I mean, you got to have somebody because I don't think I'm going to trust Jared Crow to be the backup next year. So, yeah, get a decent cheap backup and start saving the uh, the 5 plus million against the salary cap that, that Howard costs and see what else you can do there. But I would be totally okay with having Howard and Morazic as the goaltending tandem for next year. I don't know what Morazic is going to get paid this offseason. I don't think it's going to be a super-duper high amount. Um, if it is, then, yeah, you pretty much have to trade Howard. But if you can keep the total goaltender spending at like $7.5 million or so, then you don't necessarily have to trade Howard because you're still within a good realm of spending for the kind of quality goaltending you're getting. Uh, next question, uh, DP number 94, and I don't know what happened to the first 93, but good job on getting that far. Um Face-offs, they're great. I want to know about scoring. From a quick glance at stats, it seems secondary scoring is non-existent. Virtually zero scoring from our third and fourth lines. And special teams suck. Um, so it seems like he wants to know more about our scoring woes. And I'm going to take it because I was looking into this. Uh, it's not our secondary scoring. It's our tertiary scoring. And it's our top-end scoring, honestly. Uh, we have a lot of players who are on double-digit goals. We do have well-balanced scoring we just don't have enough of it if you're looking at the leaders around the league guys have 20 goals already and we're we've got a guy Larkin scored what number 13 tonight yep 13 11 11 10 there's a lot of balanced scoring in the top three lines there's just not enough of it and yeah the fourth line is not scoring enough and the, the power play isn't scoring enough but that's what we do
3: yeah, I, I power mean... Power play's been getting could, better the yeah. last couple of games. As long as yeah. they're playing New
0: Jersey, yes. Yeah, as long as they're <laughs> playing bad teams, sure. It's still a tire I mean, bike. they...
2: It's... it's, Yeah, I mean, they, they went to... So when they're in their point streak, they, um, their power play was actually below their season average. Yeah. Um, through those 13 games. So... It could be better. No shorthanded goals. I I argue that shorthanded goals. You should never count shorthanded goals as offense. Those are bonus goals. Those are like getting goals from Luke Lindenning. You just you just look up or down or whatever you believe in and just say hey, oh, sorry, thank you that it happened because it shouldn't and you should treasure miracles every day. <laughs> so, but so. You know whatever uh I, if anything I would actually say the, the penalty killing should stop giving up goals because then your lack of offense from your power play and your and your lack of offense from your scoring doesn't hurt as much but you know frog tea and all that kind of crap so no I mean the, the thing is it's like you guys said they're, they're just they don't they don't score enough as a as an entire group but they their third line if you consider it to be Tatar Shane and Nyquist have two of They're top goalers on the on that line so i'd like personally i'd like to see more offense more goals kicked in from defensemen i think that could go a long way towards helping um kind of kick start the offense and take some of the pressure off the the top lines
1: stop missing the net Cronwall, you old man yeah just stop sucking octopus connoisseur has two questions uh is axel holmstrom the the second coming uh hockey's future believes he projects as a third liner uh, we probably are a bit higher on him than that. How much higher, Michelle?
3: Um, I mean, sure he could be a, a third line center, but I th- I think he could be a really really good third line center. Um, he's such a good man. His skill set. He's more of a finisher than a playmaker, but he's um. got this. He's got this. gritty side to his game too like he'll when I watch him play he's kind of this balance between like offensively gifted goal scorer and dirty go to the corners like you know penalty kill guy which is a great balance to have I I don't know I think that putting him projecting him at a third line center is is probably fair as of right now yeah um
0: i'll just go ahead and say that we all thought you know you know it's it's tough to say right now um third line center sounds great to me uh i really the way that he's been hyped up i'd like to see him as a second line center type guy but um if you can watch him at the world junior championships this year uh and see what he what he can do um i'm not comfortable saying that he's a third line center before he's even played a game in the ahl so um you know, it's, it's, it's put up or shut up, so um, we'll see. But he seems to be a very promising prospect who is performing very well at a professional level in Sweden, but it's a whole different yeah. game here, so we'll see. He's
3: yeah, 19 years play, old, so...
1: So I can't say for sure I've, that yeah. I would like for him to be a second-line center. I would like for him to uh, challenge Riley Sheehan soonest. Yeah. Um, What I do know about him is that he's got, like, I think he's got a great attitude. Like, he really does. Yeah, he really does. He he constantly stresses how much he enjoys playing hockey, and he really likes the game. And I kind of want that attitude in the locker room uh, sooner rather than later. So right, yeah. Bring that's him over. And see feel. what
0: he does. That's how I feel about Svechnikov Is that he just you know he just loves the game so much, and that that's something you really want to see. So those players are always looking to get better. And with a player like that who has a skill set that he does, um, that's that's big time. So.
1: All right. The second part of the question is real tree or fake tree, Graham?
2: Uh, I actually have one of each in my house. So the fake, the, the, the fake tree is our nice one that we put in our front window, decorated very um, traditionally with uh, very, very nice decorations. And the real tree <laughs> is our fun tree that we put all our fun ornaments on and stuff. With
0: dildos and, and all that. <laughs> kind of stuff. I have right, yeah. children.
2: What the <laughs> with you? Come on. That That's was, the tree in my bedroom. That's shit. different. Yeah, the, the dildo tree. That's the dildo tree, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's going in the headline tomorrow. <laughs> that was, that was Red awful. Wing talk, dildo tree, Kindle is bad. Jimmy Howard or Peter <laughs> Morasik?
1: I don't understand real Christmas trees, honestly. It just yeah. seems like a messy they grow in place.
2: the ground and then you cut them down and decorate Yeah, them. I mean, I know how they
1: work, but I just don't understand why anybody <laughs> has them. Uh,
2: yeah. a part of this, when I was a kid, we used to go out and we would we would go to a Christmas tree farm and we would cut them down. So it was a whole day. Of you know spending time with the family, you took a you know you took a, a sled and you went through the snow and you went out and you picked the tree and then you cut it down and um, they usually had a, a, a fire and you could get hot chocolate and um, and s- snacks and stuff and the people who own the farms were always really nice and friendly and you just chatted so it was you know it was it was an experience so that's what I grew up with so I've always had a real tree
1: that is so Canadian it hurts yeah God. <sighs> Alright, yeah, the experience. It's a still a, a dumb, slowly dying plant that's a fire hazard, but whatever, you get a hot hot chocolate of the whole deal, so
2: and, marsh- and marshmallows.
1: <laughs> and marshmallows. Don't forget the marshmallows. <laughs> oh, um the next question is from somebody with a fantastic username. Uh Mantha Baiting wants to play a game. <laughs> it's like it's like FM- FMK, it's lose one, trade one, overpay one. Um, so you have to either, you have to lose one for nothing, either via waivers or not resigning. You have to trade one for his market value, uh, caveat being that he will definitely succeed for his new team and you have to overpay one to stay in Detroit. And with the impending RFAs, you get Shan, Market, Marchenko, and Polkinin.
0: So it's FMK between the three.
1: Yeah. Lose one, trade one, overpay one. Let's start okay. with you, Kyle.
0: Um, it was, okay, hold on. It was Marchenko, Shan, and Polkinin, right? Yep. So... I'll overpay Pulkanen. I will lose. Oh God!
1: <laughs> I'll lose.
0: i lose Cheyenne at this. I will lose Sheyann, and then, yeah, Marchenko takes in the other spot. All right, and Grimm. you know what? I would even interchange Marchenko as being overpaid because I think that Marchenko would probably be the least overpaid of all of them. So fair enough,
2: Graham. Um, I lose Shane I trade Polkanen. I overpay Marchenko and the 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 reason I do that is I think Polkinin has a a bigger trade value has a has a higher market value than Marchenko does so you could probably get more for him now let me ask the question I have though is is the trade a one for one thing or is the trade a hey he's a a piece of a trade see now you're getting because, into specifics we
0: don't have that luxury
2: see i'm so what i'm envisioning is that Pulkinen is not tr- Traded by himself for something. Polkanen is is a a deal sweetener. I think of the three, he's the one that you can put into a deal to get something you really really need. Top defenseman that the other two would not get you. So that's why I would trade Polkanen. You
3: the could just trade all trade- three
2: for a top defenseman.
3: No, the no, the question says the trade room. one, trade one for his market value. I interpreted that as like you whatever he's worth on his own like, is um, what you get
1: back. Top defenseman. I still trade. I, Do you get to choose stands. which
3: quarter the defenseman you get?
1: Yeah, you get Shea Weber's ass. <laughs> Gross. Might be better than what we have.
3: <laughs> You're terrible, Kyle.
1: I really am, Michelle. What's uh, what's your choice?
3: I first want to say this is a this is a painful question to ask me. It hurts me in the feels. Um, I would overpay Pulkinen. Uh, I think that the skill set that he brings is something we do not currently, I mean, there isn't anybody that could step in and replace what I think he can do. And also overpaying him isn't going to be that much money at this point. I was really torn on the other two really bad. Um, I would <laughs> trade Shane. I think. At this point, maybe his return would be decent. And we also have um, other centers like um, Noshek and Double-A who are going to be coming up that can fill in center slots. And then I guess that means I lose Marchenko, which oh. makes me really really oh.
1: sad. How could you? How can you hate
3: Marchenko I like that? I don't, you know, I'm going to lose Marchenko and shoot Yurko, so I'm a terrible person.
2: <laughs> my, my only concern is that Marchenko represents a solid player in an area where the Red Wings are weak prospect-wise, defensively. And I I, for, for me, I would never want to lose a defensive prospect for nothing. I think wingers, specifically, are pretty much a dime a dozen. You can, you can replace depth wingers with just about anybody, throw out a, uh, you know, a PTO to, to a guy or something like that. I think it, you, I just don't you can have enough defensive depth in your system which is why I would be hesitant to lose Marchenko for nothing.
1: See, I want to I go mean, then you I you think never... that Marchenko has really proven himself, but we also have, like, Jensen we and Jensen... and Sproul and Russo and Hicketts and Zari Yarvey and, like, it feels like we've got a lot of guys who should be getting chances, and, like, we're not going to have enough space for them because for some inexplicable reason we are not going to get rid of Erickson or we're going to keep Smith and Kindle around forever, so... Although I, was... I actually do... Marchenko is actually my overpay. That's my vote because I think he's the best player of those three, honestly. Um, and then I would trade Sheehan because I think that Sheehan has more, honestly, just has more trade value. He's a big Canadian kid.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're probably right on that.
1: I mean, regardless of whether or not I think Sheehan should have more trade value, doesn't matter. NHLGM's work on the big Canadian kid versus the little Finn. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 and I, I just lose Pokemon by default there.
2: I, I think in this, I think though in the in the new era that we're in, we with in terms of analytics and and more so uh, looking for skill. Uh, I think you could find a GM who would value in more than Shea based off of what he can do and what he's shown he can do, say at the AHL level.
1: I think it could, but I think yeah, like the more likely is that the most GMs are going to value Shea higher. I mean, this is the this is the league where Lane Ferraro got placed, got picked up on waivers, and Alex Simon didn't.
3: Yeah, that's true. It's, it's those soft European players, man. They're just garbage, worthless. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's why I should uh, trade Polk and bring up Mantha and replace him. The Canadian yeah. kid. <laughs> yep. Uh, akadiani six. If we were to get the most likely, if we were to get someone this off season between Eric Stahl, Stamkos, Kopitar, and Buff and Bufflin, <laughs> who's the most likely? I almost said by Fugly and Buff. Who's the most likely? Not Bufflin. the one you want the most. The one that we that were most likely to actually sign.
2: What was the uh, other probably one? Probably Bufflin.
1: Stahl, Stamkos, Kopitar. It's Bufflin, easily. Well,
2: Kopitar's from the reports. It sounds like he's yeah, actually he's, pretty close to signing an extension. So you, yeah, he's probably he's not going to take him market. off the list. No, Stammer's it's not gonna, coming to Detroit. Stamkos is going to go to. He's going to stay in Tampa, or he's going to Toronto.
0: He's going to stay in Tampa for the time and for the rest of the season. He's going to
3: stamp stamp Tampa. Coast in stamp Tampa.
0: I might have. No, he's going to stay in Tampa until the end of the season. If he goes to, it, he, it would be stupid for him not to, or stupid for Tampa to get rid of him. You know, with with how this division is, so they're going to keep him. And if he wants to bolt and go to another team and get a huge payday, then good for him. But um, I think that Bufflin is the the only one. Yeah,
1: I think Buffalo is most likely. Although I don't think he's terribly likely at this point. Stamkos, what I'm rooting for, but I shouldn't be because it probably makes uh, one or two of our division rivals better. Is I want him to be traded as a rental and then go back to Tampa in the off season, as <laughs> <laughs> because, I could, I you know, I so honestly could amazing. see I could see Montreal
2: uh, dealing up for him. God, can you imagine? Can you imagine how strong Tampa would be if they were able to pull that off. Because they would get all the benefits of, of trading him and then just get him right back?
0: Well, yeah, they they would certainly control the price. So they could say, you're going to give us, you know, a really good NHL forward or defenseman, and then you're going to give us prospects and picks, you know. So, yeah. So I, I feel that, like
1: if, if I that, think that happened...
0: If, yeah, if anybody trades for Stamkos, I have a feeling that the team who is, you know, Tampa is likely going to come out on top on that one.
1: Not only that, but like... Obviously, I think Montreal would be a good candidate for that trade. And if that does happen, just the pained, whining articles that come out of the Canadian press, just bitching to the high heavens about collusion. Yeah. Oh, man, I I could feed my family off of that pain. (laughs) Um, It would be amazing. Uh, L.A. Wing wants to know about uh, trading Smith and Kindle for Justin Schultz out of Edmonton. no. (laughs)
2: You're, tr- you're basically trading two <laughs> older versions of Justin Schultz for Justin Schultz. I, I mean, if Edmonton's not happy with if, – if Edmonton thinks Justin Schultz isn't up to his potential, I don't think they're going to want Smith and Kendall.
1: Right. Yeah. How do you sell that to uh,
3: – You <laughs> throw Smith.
2: in a third. Oh, yeah. oh, you don't have a guy right. who, who – yeah. You don't have a guy who's living up to his potential? We have two of those.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One of these two is on. bound to benefit from the change of scenery. Yeah. We'll take the- this problem, Justin Schultz, off your hands. He I wouldn't put
2: Justin Schultz in Detroit. I don't think he would make them any better than Smith or Kindle do.
1: True. <laughs> I say go garbage. for it. Go for it. Let's just knock this fucker out of the park. Well, at least you're freeing up a free spot, right? Yeah. All right.
0: I mean, yeah, I'm, okay. I would fuck, pull, let's pull that let's
1: do it. Yeah, Okay. it. I, I, uh, let's see. Hey, a Trading Howard question. We haven't had one of those before. I'm sorry. That was mean. I apologize, safety guy. Uh, P.A. Wingsman, does uh, Moresic make the save if Kindle doesn't run into him on the game-winning goal? Uh... Yes. yes. Yeah, probably.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's all Kindle's fault.
1: Trade Kindle and Howard for Justin Schultz. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Throw in a third. <sighs> I'm going to go rage nap soon.
2: Kindle and Howard for Kindle and Howard for Nugent Hopkins. Yes. <laughs>
0: That's a I do. Times, 365 yeah. <laughs> days out of the year, I
2: would do that. <laughs> yeah. And you could throw in Yurko, I don't give a fuck.
0: And hey, Ullett. hey now.
3: Hey now. Hey now.
2: I, you know what? I'm sorry. Fact. W- that's easy. Trade, Fact. If I would trade Thomas Yurko to get Ryan Nugent Hopkins all I day every day. I would trade more than Yurko to get RNA oh, without easy. question. You're not trading Yurko for Ryan Nugent Hopkins straight up. No. You, you give
0: him Howard. You give him Yurko. Give him Polkinen. Give him Ouellette. I'll take it. Let's do yeah. it.
1: Guys, don't get mad at me for suggesting this, but I would trade Thomas Yurko and Tamu Polkinen for Tyler Sagan. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah why What? Yeah, me? that's a good trade. Yeah. Yes. Please Why would don't you take get offense? offense. Why, Why would that? you ever
0: get? I would never get mad at you for that. I would. I would build a statue of Ken Holland outside of my house for that. <laughs> Jim, <laughs> I really would.
1: he owes us one,
0: and yeah, he does. Fuck that guy.
1: <laughs> All right, that's that's the end of that segment. So I'm going to hand control back over to Kyle.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so we don't have much coming up in the uh, in the schedule, uh, just because you know christmas um so we're gonna see nashville on saturday uh, right saturday is that our next game it is on saturday in-night. on saturday we will see nashville so um you know we're not gonna really weigh in on much on the upcoming week we'll do that next week uh I just we just want everybody to go ahead and enjoy their holidays don't think about sports too much um you know in, you know enjoy the time with your families and uh from the wing in at motown family uh happy holidays and we hope that you have a safe and happy holidays and uh Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and we will see you next week.
3: Merry Christmas!